Let's talk about probabilities and all of that and uh, what Vegas thinks with our guy, Todd Furman, who is on the phone with us. Uh, Furman, how are you? I'm doing very well, Miss Dawn and Mr. Schley. How are things in lovely Nashville? They're great. How is Vegas, by the way? What's kind of the vibe there? It's starting to warm up a little bit, so we're getting temperatures into the low 60s. It's not quite pool season yet, but uh, always plenty of excitement out here, especially with the NFL playoffs on the horizon. And as far as our beloved Golden Knights, despite losing last week to your Preds, a lot of optimism that they'll get the key trade piece in Jack Eichel back on the ice in a matter of weeks now rather than months. There you go. Preds are the hottest team in the NHL. We'll get to them, but wow, first, uh, let's talk. I just had to throw that in. Let's yeah, talk you, about. <laughs> uh, let's talk Super Bowl. Just because you know, here in in Nashville, we're just kind of sitting around waiting. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to do this weekend for Titans fans, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, they're getting healthy. But um, we were talking about FBI and the the football, you know, power index of who will make the Super Bowl, and the top two kind of matchups have Packers and either Titans or Chiefs. What are odds at this point? Yeah, numbers are always going to align with the number one seeds, knowing especially in the current format you're talking about winning two games and the games coming obviously at home if you – in the case of the Titans and the Green Bay Packers. So those numbers are always going to be a little bit shorter. But when you look at the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs still have a price that's actually a touch shorter than the Tennessee Titans. And that's because of Kansas City's dominance in recent years. And when you look at the way that this team has performed, they typically raise their level of play when the games mean the most. The nice luxury that the Titans have working in their favor, of course, is that you're only going to have to play one of the two between Kansas City and Buffalo. So definitely helps them out in terms of numbers. And that's why you're looking at the Tennessee Titans to win the AFC as second favorites behind just the Kansas City Chiefs. In that 3-1 range, a shade more. Buffalo, a little bit more of a long shot. But as far as Super Bowl odds, the Tennessee Titans are fifth on the betting board right now behind the Packers and the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Bills, and then Tennessee slots there at a price just less than 9-1 at FanDuel. So that's kind of the way uh, odds makers view the field. But I think if you're looking to try and find a Cinderella story or two, it's identifying a team that's got the kind of game plan that can go on the road, win three games in as many weeks. And once you get to the big game, then all bets are off trying to figure out of Cinderella slipper actually fit when the game matters most. Who's your Cinderella? I mean, when you go through some of these teams out here, I think San Francisco probably checks the most boxes for a team that's a legitimate threat. Mm. Now, of course, they're going to have their hands full uh, as early as this week against the Dallas Cowboys team that we know has been undersold for how good they've been on the defensive side. We're not quite sure how healthy that hand is for Jimmy Garoppolo that he injured against the Tennessee Titans, but they have the blueprint to be able to run the football if Elijah Mitchell stays healthy. They'll get some key contributors back on the defensive side of the ball with Kawan Williams, who missed against the Rams optimistic he'll be out there you saw the difference it meant with Emmanuel Mosley the big injury for the 49ers to keep tabs on before kickoff on Sunday will of course be Trent Williams who graded out as pro football focuses top offensive lineman in that category it would be huge to have that kind of mauler out there when you're talking about going up against Micah Parsons Demarcus Lawrence and that talented Dallas Cowboys defensive front Bills and Patriots split um the the temperature is supposed to feel like uh six degrees Mm. negative Beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's perfect, for, perfect for both of them. <laughs> that sounds that should, like my hell, actually. Yeah, it shouldn't bother either team, but, I mean, what do we look at going into I mean, Buffalo? That's an, 
That's a nice beach day in Lake Ontario in Western New York this time of year. So you get your beach towel out there, uh, and you make sure you apply your SPF 50, because the last thing you want to do is come away with windburn. Uh, when you're looking at this uh, series, Slay, you talked about it. These two teams split during the regular season, very different football games. The one that we saw on Monday night with 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts, New England throws the ball a grand total of three times, but runs the ball extremely effectively. And when you look at New England between the two games, they ran for almost 400 yards uh, against this Buffalo defense. But the big problem is Mac Jones. Even in better throwing conditions in Foxborough, he struggled mightily. Went 14 to 32 in that game, less than 150 yards. Uh, but it could have fallen a little bit different as well had J.C. Jackson not dropped a pass from Josh Allen that hit him right in the hands. This number seems extremely fair at four. I don't think Buffalo loses this football game, but at the same time, I'm not sure I'm running to lay more than a field goal here. When you look at the Bills this season, they're 11-0 and in games that are decided by double digits, and the games are decided by single digits. They've struggled mightily. They haven't won a single game by less than 10 points this year. So we'll see if they can find some separation. And despite those frigid temperatures, I actually lean over the total here. I think both these offenses will have some success. Okay, Todd, stop me if I'm wrong. I don't think we need to discuss Eagles at Bucks or you already talked about 49ers and Cowboys, but this big number, Steelers at Chiefs, 12 and a half, is that big going into what we what well, we got? Or what? I think the big question for Kansas City is how healthy they're at, they are at the skill positions. When you look at Tyreek Hill, we know he was anything but 100% in the regular season finale against the Broncos, banging that heel in warm-ups. Travis Kelsey was a little nicked up down the stretch, but no indications that he'll have lingering effects. And then the $100 million question for the Chiefs is, will they have Clyde Edwards-Alaire back uh, to carry, you know, the – to create balance, excuse me, for this offensive mm -hmm. attack. If he's in the mix, then it changes things in the way you approach Kansas City. But also, this is a Chiefs team that closed a 9.5, 10-point favorite when they played the Steelers a few short weeks ago. The Steelers, a team going to play loose and free, and Big Ben is more or less said, hey, look, we're a 20-point underdog in this game. we got nothing to lose. That's always a dangerous mentality to have uh, when you're a favorite because if you don't put the underdog away early, they hang around. I lean towards the Steelers here plus the points, but uh, not sure it's a game I'm going to tangle with. Yeah, I like that. Cardinals and Rams, first Monday night um, playoff game. And if you look at it week seven or week eight, we would have picked one of these two teams to be fighting for the NFC Championship to play in the Super Bowl, but here they are in the wild card game, Cardinals and Rams. Yeah. Two teams, uh, to your point, taking on water late in the mm -hmm. season. When you look at the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, this is a team that floundered mightily, especially in their own building. So they may feel fortunate that they're going out on the road to SoFi Stadium, a place where they dominated the Rams earlier in the season and probably was the game where they announced to the league that they weren't going to be a fluke or just a pretender for most of the season. Meanwhile, the Rams, they haven't gotten consistent quarterback play out of Matthew Stafford, and that's got to be a real concern in this spot. But you do wonder if Cam Akers is going to be capable of taking on a bigger workload after he returned from the torn Achilles injury last week. You look at Sony Michel, he's really given them some balance, and this Rams offensive line should be able to carve a, at least a path for their game offensive game plan to be a little bit more balanced. But I look at the total, and I think the fact that these two teams are all too familiar with one another, that's the angle, in my opinion, worth attacking. I really believe you're going to get them to start a little bit slow. So I'd like to go under the total in the first half. Now, we, now Todd, we got to address <clears throat> the elephant in the room. Um, they got a first-round bye. I mean, running back was up for MVP. Seven Pro Bowlers, the Indianapolis Colts. Well, who do you see them? Oh, never mind. They're not even playing. So let's um, <laughs> let's go to 
Let's go to basketball. How about that? Hey, that's it. Yeah, they're, they're coasting. Don't even worry about them pro bowlers and the MVPs and all that. Let's, we'll worry about that next year in preseason. Um, John Moran for MVP. What's the odds on Wait, that? Wait, hold man? on. Didn't you pick them to win the AFC South, Todd? Oh. Uh, I did not pick them to win the AFC South this year. Did I? I can't remember back that far. Ooh, so I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. But you know, that prediction, I actually honestly, thought you did. Got to check the tape. I know I picked them. I know I picked them last year, but I can't remember if I picked them this year. If I did, then you know <laughs> we can throw that one in the circular <laughs> file, or you can contact your friends at Old Takes Exposed along with some of my other gambling hot takes along <laughs> okay. the way. I, I, I will admit though that I did have a ticket on the Indianapolis Colts at twenty to one to win the AFC that I thought was going to be an absolute steal mm. going into their final two regular season games against the. Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, I'm not going to have a chance to catch that one either. Um, <laughs> when you look, though, uh, at the NBA landscape and you talk about John Morant, there's no doubt that this Grizzlies team is playing as well as any in the NBA right now. And Jaws' uh, odds to an MVP really reflect that. He's come down to 30-1. to 1. That puts him in the same class as Joel Embiid. Uh, but the only four players with shorter prices right now would be Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic. It is worth mentioning that we've seen some movement in LeBron's price as well. He floated out to as much as 60-1. to 1. But if, as the Lakers continue to play better, and I use the term better loosely, right. given the fact that they're still you know, hovering right around 500, LeBron has put this team on his back. And I think if the Lakers are able to make a run, that might not be a bad ticket to hold in your pocket you know, as you come down the stretch. As far as big-picture prices, Memphis still 19-1 to 1 to win the Western Conference and significantly longer to win the NBA title. But there's a lot of reason to be optimistic, uh, given everything we've seen in West Tennessee. And you have to think that a young roster is only going to get better uh, as John Moran continues to take his game to the next level. Hey, Todd, you know that saying, if it's and butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas? Uh, I do know that saying all too well, and I know one about aunts and uncles, too, but I'm not sure if that's appropriate for recitation on uh, no, we're good. We're no, good you can leave that. family radio around these parts. Yeah, I don't want to have to have to dump you, but I am going to dump this garbage take of yours. Um, Georgia doesn't – this is one of Todd Furman's tweets. Georgia doesn't sniff a victory in this game if Alabama has a healthy John Mechie and Jamison Williams. 100% fact. Okay, but that, what fact. is the point? And, and, keep, and keep in mind, I bet Georgia in the national championship. Yes. I gave Georgia out on this radio show. So yes. people come out that I'm bitter and I'm crying about it. No, I'm not crying at all. I was able to you pass won. the Georgia yeah. ticket. Yeah. But anybody who watched that first half had to realize that Georgia, even only having to prepare for one talented wide receiver, still didn't have a game plan with that defensive backfield. As you saw Williams kind of shake free for the big carry, that one that unfortunately ended his regular season and his college career. Yes, Georgia was more physical later in that game. They were able to establish uh, their ground attack in the second half. But I really believe if Georgia got themselves behind the eight ball and they had Jamison Williams for those red zone possessions that resulted in field goals, Alabama would have found a little bit of separation. And I'm not quite sure a one-dimensional Georgia team would have been able to win an elusive national championship, the first one in more than 30 years. So, yes, Georgia shouldn't have to apologize to anyone uh, for going out there and winning the title and getting revenge on Alabama. Uh, but there is no way, in my opinion, that if Alabama had their full complement of weapons, just on the offensive side, uh, that Georgia is able to beat them in the national championship. Game. Well, if Georgia would have lost, then you could have said, hey, if they didn't have Stetson Bennett as their quarterback, then they would have beat Alabama. That's my I mean, whole the, point with it. But. The, the, there, there's a good chance that they could have had just about anybody under center and 
the way that they were running the football <laughs> late in the game. But no, I don't want to discount Stetson's effort. I mean, it's the kind of story that you don't hear about, obviously, in big-time college football, where a kid that has no NFL prospects is able to lead that kind of comeback and make some big throws. Yeah. So, I mean, the lasting image of Stetson Bennett for me, though, will be, of course, be the interview he did on Good Morning America, where oh. it looked like he was on the tail end of a Vegas bender, and it really warmed my heart, because I went into the office many a morning looking just like that and didn't have to give an interview <laughs> on national television. No doubt. No doubt. All right, Todd Furman, our favorite. You know, I just like to give you a hard time, but... Uh... As you should. You got you to keep me honest around these parts. <laughs> I, if you guys, the day you guys don't, that's when I start to worry about my ability to maintain my Iron Man streaks. <laughs> You take Wednesdays off, Brent takes Wednesdays off, but there's one constant on this show. It's been me the last 10 years. That is so true. Todd Furman, Bet the Board podcast, and the analyst for CBS Sports HQ. Go check him out on Twitter, at Todd Furman. <laughs> Always appreciate you. See you, Todd. Thanks, uh, you got it, guys. Enjoy the stress-free weekend of football. It's the last one you're going to get this NFL season. <laughs> that is true. All the way through the Super Bowl. We'll see you there. All right, Todd Furman, always our favorite. You can hit him up on Twitter. And his Bet the Board podcast is awesome, by the way, especially if you're uh, into that kind of thing. Um, gives some great insight and did come on this show and pick Georgia for you. <laughs> yes, he did.